y'all. Jesse from See You Next Tuesday here. Amanda, hi. Hey, we want to come on here and say happy pride to everybody in the community and all the allies. We see you, we love you, and we just fully support you in everything that you're doing. Fully be yourself and don't let anybody else tell you any different. And we just want to celebrate you and your month. And we actually celebrate you 365. Preach. So snaps to you. Hope you have a wonderful Pride Month. And we'll see you next Tuesday. And we love you. We love you. Bye. Hey, y'all. We're going to be at the True Crime Podcast Festival this year on August 25th through 27th, 2023 in Austin, Texas. Come join us and get 15% off your ticket with our promo code C. That's C-E-E at the checkout. Thank you all so much for listening to us. And we will see you there. Oh, no next Tuesday? Not this time? This is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells cunt. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening. (laughs) Yay, let's do this. We're dedicated, y'all. We're over here podcasting sick. Let's get her done. I can't breathe, but I'm gonna. I know that sounds like not that big of a deal. We're just sitting and talking, but you'd be surprised how much it takes out of you, actually. Well, I gotta talk. I gotta drink my drink out of my new Two-Eyed Willie cup. Which, thank you, by the way. I love this. These are new podcasting cups. So goddamn cute. They will be washed and cleaned every time we podcast to put our drinks in. Drinks. Our drunks. Our drunks, so we can play washers. <laughs> washers. Oh, yeah. See you next Tuesday podcast, Jesse, and that's Amanda. Blah, blah, blah. I think I'm going to be uh, Claudette today. Claudette? Uh-huh. Oh, that's a good name. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to change my name now. I don't have the mental capacity to change it. I thought you were Marty. I know. God dang it, I I know. You're Marty. I'm Claudette. I just love it. You know what it came from is like the pink ladies. I, there's not a Marty. There's a, but like so one of them goes by like a, like a name like that. I thought there was a Marty. Isn't there a Marty? Don't make me Google God dang it. it. You're wearing your Goonies shirt, which by the way, I, I HBO Max had the, has the Goonies and I rewatched it the other day because I was like sick and I was just like, yeah. you know. So I went through <laughs> about four or five Goonie DVDs. Like, you don't think you can wear out a DVD, but I've done it five mm-hmm. times. Eh? Now I just own it on Amazon Prime. Right. Because, like, we can't hurt digital shit. Yeah, no. And I used to always think that the older brother was a shithead. I was like, he's such a jerk. He's such a jerk to his younger brother. But actually, he wasn't. He was actually, like, he was a normal older brother. Kind of, kind of razzed his younger brother. But... Like he, he really was protective. Yeah, he was very protective of his younger brother. He really cared about him. Oh shit! What? I'm wrong. There is a Marty Rizzo, Jan, Marty, Frenchie, Sandy. Okay, see, yeah, that's where I got it from. And I was just like, oh, that's so sick. She calls herself by a boy name, and that was so my vibe because back when we were little, if you were a little girl that presented or like had masculine things, you were called tomboy. And I was always a tomboy, my whole life. I still am a tomboy, really. 
But like, I also love like dressing up and pink frilly things. So I kind of like, I, done, I loved Marty because I was like, oh, this is kind of great. It's kind of a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Plus she's part of the pink ladies. You see that they're bringing that back. They're like doing like a pink ladies show. I think it's on, speaking of Amazon, it's gonna be like a pink ladies show or some shit, which I'm, okay. I'm, I'm I do not accept. I, I don't either. I don't accept. Here's the thing, guys, like. I'm, I'm movie studios. Speaking stop of, it. Please write something original. Please I'm so over the expanded universe of every goddamn thing stop we've had in the past. Stop stealing my childhood and making it not my childhood. It's so annoying. I'm just like, can we write something original for once? Like just one original fucking thing that's not based off of a book or based off another movie that happened in the past or a side character or a fucking... I'm just, I'm, it's exhausting. Can we talk about what I sent you last night that I couldn't even, I couldn't even, I think I accidentally sent it twice about. Oh, okay. Yeah. We do need to have a whole, whole minute. Hold on. Hold up. Patrons. I, I can't, I can't. Yeah. So first of all, if you haven't They're been to our Patreon. Forward. Yes. If you haven't They're... been to our Patreon, please go. We did an entire extensive series on the Duggars. One Dugger at a time. All the way up to the biggest douchebag of the... Well, I don't even know if it is the biggest douchebag at this point. They're all kind of... Papa's the biggest. Is Papa the biggest? Because there was a child porn guy in there. So, like, what's worse? I mean, uh, Papa covered it up. (laughs) Yeah. So, I will let you go from here, though, and explain your I don't know. I don't know what to say. This is your Super Bowl. This is my Super Bowl. This is what I've waited 44 years for. There is a documentary, and not just a documentary, like somebody's making it and going to talk about it. They're going to be on it. So they're coming forward. So here's my thing. I think it's going to be, I think it's still going to be scripted for them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still think that they're going to... They're going to say as much as they will allow themselves to say. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying here? So, like, because they're still very much like a quote-unquote Christian family and in that world. So I feel like they're not going to go full hog and just go, fuck this shit. Here's what's going on for real. They're talking about... And I could be totally wrong. I'm hoping that they do, like, open up the coffers. They're talking about the... What is it? The I... What are the letters? Oh, um, I, God dang it. The the guy, the ministries. Bill Gothard. Yeah, and his ministries. Yes, they're talking about it being a cult. Which? And how, okay. Okay, here's the headline from, I can't even say where it's from because it's not. It's okay. Who cares? We're all like fans. We're all, we're all family at this point. Okay. I'm going to go to the E! News one. Not the other one. Jill Duggar is ready to tell her story in a bombshell Duggar family secret. It's a secrets trailer. So, Amy's going to be on it. Jill's going to be on it. It's talking about how the Bill Gothard and the IBLP, the Institute of Basic Life Principles, is a fucking cult. Yeah. We called it. Yeah. Fucking year ago. We did. When we did the series, we were like, this is very culty vibes. And so I named the documentary that I thought they should do. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what I named God it. Dang it. Yeah, you timestamped it. Shit. <laughs> but, we have to listen to ourselves again. 
I'm going to say that this is fucking better. Oh, yeah, for sure. Shiny, happy people dug our family secrets. That's perfect. What's it going to be on? Because that's giving me Netflix or Peacock vibes. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's going to be heavily scripted because of who they are. I don't and, know. It could be Hulu. Hulu's coming uh, out Hulu. with the documentaries like pretty yeah. fast and hard lately. Yeah, they have. So here's, here's my, like I said, I think it's going to be scripted. I think it's also not going to go as deep as we want it to. And the third thing is, is I think that they realized, oh shit, our cash cow of being the perfect family is over. And it has been over since our oldest son is convicted of child porn. So because of that, we're going to lean into how we're going to lean into the new movement of what this is bad and all that stuff. So they're basically finding a new way to make money. Mommy and Daddy Duggar are finding a new way to make money off their kids, and this is how they're doing it. That's my assessment. Like, as in, oh, shit, Amazon. Oh, it is going to be on Prime. Okay. All righty. June 2nd. June 2nd. God dang. All righty. That's coming up fast. Oh, and a new season of The Bear is the 22nd. Yes. Oh, I cannot wait. Love The Bear. God, The Bear is such a goddamn good show. Yeah. I got to set a calendar. Me too. Got to set a calendar for this. Yep. I got to set one for that. There's a couple other shows coming out in June, July that I'm like, y'all are just killing me with this. This is awesome. And the content has been like, it's either been like that. Like it's been like reruns of reruns of reruns where you're like, oh my God, I can't do another remake. Please God. Or it's been the complete opposite, like the bear or like a documentary where you're like, Ooh, okay. Okay. Let's get into it. Speaking of documentaries and shit, Lori Valla. Did not watch. Got, got. She's convicted of murder now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew. Okay. I was the one who sent that to you because yeah. you needed a lift up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's honestly, and this sounds really weird for me to say, but I actually feel really sorry for her. I feel bad for her because she is not on planet Earth right now. I don't think she understands what her conviction even means. Like if you watch that Netflix documentary about the family and you see her mental decline, mental health decline, her own son is like, I don't even recognize my mother. I don't know who that person is. I don't know who that person presents themselves as. Like, I don't fucking know who that person is. So it's, it's really, it makes me sad for her family. It makes me glad that, she, that she's getting her comeuppance. But again, I don't think she understands what that even means. At this point, mentally, she is gone. She wasn't when she was doing the crimes. Yeah. But since then, if you watch that documentary, she is unhinged, dude. It's not good. I mean, I'll put it on my list. (laughs) I got a list. It's... It's all I do all day is watch TV. But (laughs) like I said, what I'm watching has like 500 seasons. You watching The Simpsons? (laughs) No. (laughs) How's Hunters? Oh, yeah. CSI. (laughs) I was like, are you watching One Piece? Jesus, there's like a thousand episodes. No, yeah, it's... His Chad Daybell, though, isn't until next year, which I'm like, okay. Like, he's... I mean, there's no way he's going to get away with what he got away with. Like, if she got got... You keep doing that, girl. You need to to move that desk. Here, move that desk. She keeps hitting her elbow. I know. I moved it forward because when I was doing my Zoom interviews, I needed room. Yeah. 
But yeah, no, it's wild. It's just wild. Like the world that we live in, like what the hell is happening? But I am glad that her kids got justice because that is something that should never happen to those kids. That's just, or her, her ex-husband, like he was legitimately just trying to fucking get his kids away from her and this whole, it, it's just, it's just all bad. Nobody won from this situation. No. There's nothing good coming no, out of this. No, I mean, and Ugh. here's the thing, like, I don't, she's going to get, like, I mean, she'll be in prison, but she gets three hots and a cot and commissary, so, like, is it really punishment? I'm going to go with what another podcast said. I think she's going to have her own little mini cult again in prison. She's going to get followers yeah, because it's, so, it's very common. I mean... So I really don't feel this is punishment for her, but... Yeah. I mean, shit, Warren Jeffs is still running his cult out of prison. I know. The nasty, disgusting pedophile. And, and yeah. And so. nothing... They can't do anything about it. He's technically in prison, but... Yeah. It's... That's uh, why my dream job is to read the prison mail <laughs> and to catch... The cultish behavior. The, the, what's, oh, God dang it. What's the, 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 I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Jesus. Like, like keywords and they're. Yeah. Like they're telling the soldiers on the outside what to do. Oh, got it. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. The, everybody is screaming it at me. Their instructions. Yes. They could be coded though. That's your job is to catch the code. Mm. Yeah, to catch the drugs and catch the codes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's my dream job. Hey. The only reason why I would never pursue it is you have to work inside the prison. Yeah, and fuck that shit. <laughs> That's a scary job and bless anybody, especially females that do that. My God. My daughter has balls. known people that has worked inside this state prison. I cannot imagine what they've seen and experienced. Cannot imagine. I will say that, you know, prisoners though they be, they are still humans. And I feel like if we did have a shift towards, well, first of all, get rid of for-profit prisons, but also treating people, treating it like a re, more of a rehabilitation to towards, now you're released in, as long as, you know, non-violent offenders, you see what I'm saying? It would be a different world. Yeah. But... We don't, we can't solve those problems. We're not Congresswomen, unfortunately. Well, and there's people that can't be re rehabilitated. That's true and too. They need to be in a box and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, shit hole today, from top to bottom, some worse in the middle. So, you might want to come back later if you can't handle the heat. Get out the kitchen. Fair enough. That's my warning to all my cunties out there today. <laughs> I could just sit and live. Is this going to go from bad to worse? Uh-huh. Okay, got it. It's one of those. Okay. Uh -huh. Grab a hold your boo. <laughs> oh, he's firmly planted on my lap for sure. You might want to <laughs> squeeze him forever. Squeeze him real tight. I may have to buy you a new boo after today. <laughs> those... it, ain't, it ain't pretty today. Today, <laughs> today's not the day. <laughs> Come back for my... I will say it's a treasure child. How about that? So the, at the end of the episode, if you're not feeling it, so. Yeah. I'm going to feed you after this to lift you up. How does that sound? Cheers. Okay. <laughs> so have you ever watched that show Storage Wars? Yes. And you know how people, you know, they bid on the units. Yes. That people have defaulted on their payments and they don't know what's 
in there till they win. I always assume it's a dead body. Every time. You know? Yes. See what kind of treasures. And my friends that love that show, all I'm going to say is the show plants the shit in there. Do they really? Why am I asking that? Of course, it's reality TV, quote unquote, reality TV. Yeah, I think they do. All I know is if one of my friends were to say, hey, I'm going to a storage auction on Saturday. Do you want to tag along? My answer would be, fuck, yes, I do. Absolutely, yes. I want to see the dead body in person. Yes. (laughs) So Thomas Bright felt the same way on May 10th, 2003, when his friend asked him the same thing. When the Smith Storage in Stafford, Arizona was holding their auction. Thomas had no intention on bidding, bidding on anything. But when he did... He won a unit for $75. I feel like Thomas is the male version of me because I would be like, bye, honey. I promise I won't buy anything as I walked out the door. But when I would get there and, you know, was doing all the hoopla, I'd be like, raising my hand, 10 bucks, 10 bucks, $75, $75. And he'd be like, going once, going twice, sold to the lady for $75. I'd be like, yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah, I'm just saying that's that I feel like that's no. And honestly, that's a hell of a, I mean, it's a great price. So seven, five bucks and Thomas won and in a big way. And I don't mean in a good way when he's digging through all the boxes and not finding anything because the reality buying storage unit is not what you see on TV. Yeah. It's a lot of just shit. Usually. (laughs) Yeah. Thomas found something that people on the shows never find. He opened one box and it smelled rank. But like any of us would assume, he thought it was a dead animal because, well, a bandaged storage unit. Thomas kept digging through the box of moldy blankets and he found a smaller box. You know how the saying, good things come in small packages? Well, Thomas got really excited. Small box hidden inside of a big box. You know you would think you hit pay dirt. But well, the rank smell grew stronger. And when he opened the smaller box, he found three things wrapped in plastic wrap. Thomas carefully unwrapped the first object, and that's when the smell became overwhelming. And unlike me, he put it to the side and started opening the second wrapped item. No. Instant, instant, fuck this shit, call the cops. Mm-hmm. Guys, if you don't know what the smell of death smells like, have you ever had smelled roadkill or a dead deer on the side of the road? That's the smell of death. Instantly call the cops. Even if it is, and if it, best case scenario, it's an animal. Oh, it's a raccoon. Okay, cool. Worst case scenario, well. So he started opening the second item. At this point, Thomas kind of got a nervous feeling. You know when you're walking to your car late at night and the hairs on the back of your neck stand up? Involuntarily because you just know something isn't right. Yeah, he felt like that. So Thomas opened the third plastic wrapped item, not feeling good about what he was seeing. It was like he couldn't help himself because he really didn't believe it. You know when you're like, is this really what I think it is? Like, is this happening right now? Mm-hmm. Surely not. <laughs> right. This is a mannequin, right? So yeah. Thomas found the remains of not one, not two, but three infants. Oh. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, my God. It was obvious these were not new remains, but they were very old. 
This was the case. This was a case for the police to work their way backwards and find out who the mother was, what happened, and why they had been preserved for so long. The police determined that the infants were a boy and a girl, and another whose sex could not be determined. It didn't take rocket scientists to figure out who rented the union unit. The unit. <laughs> it was Diane Odell. So, Diane Molina, who was born in 1953 in Orwell Township, Pennsylvania, her brother described her as a headstrong go-getter who didn't let anything stand in her way. And as a teenager, she began to rebel her Catholic upbringing by drinking, doing drugs, and having sex with multiple men. The family moved around a lot, so trying to keep her out of trouble was too much for them. Let me tell you about what Diane went through, and maybe her brother's statement will take on a new meaning for you. One of Diane's earliest memories was when she was six years old. That evening, her dad told her to answer the door if anyone knocked or rang the bell. I mean, that doesn't sound nefarious, does it? Mm, no, no, and also, of the times, you would have your, your kid go down to the fucking corner shop and buy cigarettes for you, too, and they were underage, like... So a little six-year-old answering a door was no big deal back in the day. Exactly right. So when there was a knock at the door, Diane did as she was told. She was six. Of course she did. Diane barely had the door open when she was confronted by a masked man holding a knife. He told her if she screamed, he would kill her. Well, Diane was like, fuck you, and screamed for her dad. She knew he could hear her and... She could even see him sitting at the dining room table, but he just sat there ignoring her screams. The masked man started raping her, and as Diane was being raped, her dad poked his head around the corner and watched the whole thing. I'm sorry. What in the shit is happening right now? What father? Then the rape then the rapist was done. Diane's dad told the rapist, and I quote Good job, son. Dan was confused by all of this, but when the rapist pulled his pulled off his mask, it was her older half-brother. Ew! That is when Diane realized the only way she was going to survive was to become invisible. She was only six years old. Yeah, I would start drinking and, and drugging hardcore. So maybe does that explain why her brother made the statements he made about her being the problem? Ew! That's disgusting. So becoming invisible didn't work for Diane. Over the next 10 years, Diane faced physical, emotional, and sexual abuse at the hands of her dad, John Molina, according to Diane. Diane and her mom, Mabel. Oh, God. (laughs) Even moved in with one of her other half-brothers and his wife at one point. But Mabel claimed that having both of them there was a strain on the household and sent Diane back to live with John. Does, just maybe jumping ahead here. Did her mom know? I don't know. Okay. According to Diane, when she turned 16, Mabel began, yeah, her mom knew. Mabel began prostituting her out to pay off her drug and gambling debts, as well as a means of extra income. Okay. This is just not, this is all bad. This Mm -hmm. this good little girl didn't have a shot. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Diane also claims that her father was continuing to abuse her during this time as well. In 1972, Diane and Mabel moved to Sullivan County, New York. It was a small place nestled in the Catskill Mountains. Beautiful. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Before she left, John raped Diane goodbye and left Diane pregnant as a result. Phenomenal. This is, this is great. Mm-hmm. This is really good, wholesome family values. Mm-hmm. Wow. I warned everyone. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. When Mabel found out Diane was pregnant, she was pissed, especially since she was pregnant by John. And this turned into a physical argument, and Diane ended up back on John's doorstep, asking him for a place to live until the baby was born. Of course, John took zero responsibility for the situation and was more pissed off than Mabel, and Diane said that John beat her but allowed her to stay. Diane stayed with John until he beat her again, and she went back to Mabel's house in Cayunoga Lake. But not long after her return to Mabel's house, Diane went into labor. According to Diane, Mabel refused to call an ambulance or take her to the hospital, so she delivered the baby at home. The baby was born, and she named him Matthew. Unfortunately, Matthew was stillborn. And what happened next, I think, is truly weird. But I'm sure there's a psychological reason that psychologists could explain. Diane packed Matthew into an old blue suitcase and went on with her life. Yeah. I I think it's just layers on layers of trauma. Mm-hmm. Like, you just don't. She's not in in a good headspace. I mean, how could you be? When Diane was 20 years old in January 1974, she married a Jewish man, but since she was half Latino and half white, his family did not accept her. I mean, I find it funny because normally it would have been the other way around that her family wouldn't have accepted a Jewish man. So for the Jewish family to not accept her, I find it a little ironic. Yeah, because it's like Catholics don't, yeah, it's this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. To add to her already strained marriage, her husband got sick not long after their small wedding. Then after her husband got a kidney transplant in 1975, the couple divorced and went their separate ways. Two years later, Diane tied the knot again and married James O'Dell, right before he shipped out to boot camp after he enlisted in the Navy. Once boot camp was over, James came home and Diane immediately got pregnant. And on June 16, 1978, she gave birth to a daughter. James and Diane lived in a house, but it wasn't very insulated. So when winter came, Diane insisted they find a better suited home. James found them one not far from where they were, not far from where they were living. And when they moved, the little blue suitcase serving as Matthew's tomb was left behind. Oh. According to Diane, James changed when he returned home from the Navy And she walked on elk shells around him, and tension became so bad she was afraid to announce her third pregnancy, her second child with James. Hold on real quick. This is the 70s? Is this when this is happening? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nom. Oh, yeah. They're going to come back changed. I mean, any war. Mm Mm-hmm. But especially Nom. Mm -hmm. That was a fucked Mm -hmm. up war. Mm Mm-hmm. And... It makes sense why she's, like, trying to find security in marriage. Oh, yeah. She's like, I need stability. I need someone to not treat me like a piece of meat. Mm -hmm. Completely understandable why she's doing all of these things. The summer of 1979, a couple of things happened. One, Diane and James separated. Nothing dramatic. They just had enough of each other. Yeah, it's fair. It happens. The second was that Odell's former landlord had finally decided to clean out the bungalow that they had been, they had rented from him in order to get it ready to put on the market. While cleaning, he found Diane's little blue suitcase and opened it. Mm. 
the landlord discovered the remains of a baby. He didn't call the police. He called Mabel and told her she better come reclaim it. What the fuck? Oh my God, come get this. Like, are you serious? Like, mm-hmm. you leave, like, a sofa behind or something? Like, mm-hmm. who are these people? Like, what, does nobody have a, a moral compass at all? Nope. Jesus Christ. So Mabel came and reclaimed Matthew, and he remained a secret. Mabel did not tell Diane she had Matthew. I don't, okay, I don't, can I ask you, can I ask you, mm-hmm. if, I don't know if I had a stillborn child, what I would do. I mean, obviously I would hopefully be going into labor at a hospital and they would figure out what to do mm-hmm. after that with mm-hmm. the baby. But if I had to have, if I had a baby at home or it came early or whatever, I mean, it, to me, it, this behavior makes sense. Like, Wanting to keep the baby for yourself. I, Does that make sense? I, I like, would... I don't know. Bury it in a cemetery and give it a proper burial with the headstone to... Okay. Because... Yeah. Now, granted, we haven't been through this kind of trauma. Respect the... Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel like... God. It's just all bad. It's just all bad. I don't know. I don't know. Keep yeah. going. It's whatever. So, November 12th, 1979... James and Diane's second daughter came into the world, and the couple decided to give their marriage a second try. But James gave Diane an ultimatum. Mabel could no longer live with them. Okay, that's good. Yeah, fuck her. Fuck her whole family. They're uh-huh. terrible people. Mm-hmm. So Diane and James and their two daughters moved to Florida to get a fresh start. Great. Super Florida. Well, this is pre, you know, the Florida we know and love today. <laughs> Unfortunately, their start was not so fresh because James started staying out late, sometimes not even coming home, and drinking heavily. Diane was ready to end things again, but James begged her to give him another go. But this time, Diane had an ultimatum. They returned to New York, and James agreed to her demand. Once they were in New York, the pair split again, and Fertile Myrtle was pregnant with number four. Mm. Diane foolishly thought James would still be a part of his kids' lives, but he ghosted the family physically and financially. February 19, 1981, John Molina, Diane's dad, died at 80 years old from stomach cancer. I hope it was painful. Hello, Kerma. Yeah, I hope it was really <laughs> fucking painful. Fuck that guy. He took him out in a painful way better than prison. Mm. Whoop, whoop, Karma. Diane and Mabel attended the funeral, and three days later, Diane gave birth to her third daughter. Just a couple of months after giving birth, Diane started casually dating again. She's single and free to mingle. Can't hate on that. But this baby Maggie mama was pregnant again with number five. Unlike her other three previous pregnancies, Diane didn't receive... Any prenatal care with this one, just like with Matthew. Mm. So first pregnancy, no prenatal care. Prenatal care, prenatal care, prenatal care, no prenatal care. Okay. The day Diane went into labor with baby number five, Diane said Mabel told her she called for an ambulance. But Diane's instinct to push took over, and after the baby was delivered, 
Diane allegedly passed out due to an extremely loud ringing in her ears. And when she came to, the baby was dead. Mm. According to Mabel, the baby had breathing problems. Diane says she insisted that they rush the baby to the hospital, but Mabel said that the doctor would say the death was intentional. And Diane says that she continued on insisting that they go to the hospital, but Mabel reminded her about Matthew and implied that she would get custody of Diane's girls. At the threat of losing her children, Diane backed down and entombed this baby like she did with Matthew. Wow. So Diane wanted to take this baby to the hospital, but Mabel was like, no, we can't. If we take the baby to the hospital, they say, they'll say you killed it on purpose and I will get your daughters. What a fucking bitch. Mm-hmm. That's awful. Like, all, I mean, yeah, just keep going. <laughs> just keep, I'll just keep plowing through it. Just plow through it. Are, are you sure you want me to keep going? Yeah, just go. Get it over. Because <laughs> I can't tell you it gets better. <sighs> then one day, James O'Dell's brother popped up in late 1982 to visit his nieces. At least somebody from the O'Dell family cares, right? I have a feeling not. His nieces are not the only person Uncle Odell visited. He also parked his car in Diane's garage and left behind his baby beetle. Like he had a, a beetle? Like a VW? No, no, no. Like, they bound, chicka bound, bound. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sexually Oh, uh, you, you were, that. okay. Got it, got it, got it. Just like with baby number five, Diane didn't receive any prenatal care with baby number six. And Diane gave birth in the middle of 1983. Diane claims Mabel delivered the baby while she was unconscious, and the baby was dead when she came to. Diane bundled the baby and put it with its siblings. Wow. <clears throat> I actually think, I'm going to go, here's my theory, if you don't mind. Go Mabel be killing these kids. Huh? Mabel be killing these kids. As um, soon as they come out, it's, you know exactly what I mean? Exactly right. I mean, honestly, her mom is... Exactly right. Is the cunt here. Okay. Exactly right. Okay. So in 19... 19- in 1884. In 19, I typed 1884. It, it feels like it, doesn't it? It fucking feels like it's 1884. <laughs> Jesus. In 1984, Diane was living with a man for a short amount of time. And yet again, Diane was pregnant with okay. lucky number seven. Hold on. Birth control, y'all. <laughs> it does ex- It did exist. It did it exist. It does exist. Like, I'm all f- have as many goddamn kids as you want if you can support them. Or if you can keep them alive. Yes. But please, please, God. For your sake, even. Just... How about... Thank you, Use body. a fucking condom, man. Oh, that too? STDs? Jesus, any number of things. Yeah. Like, come on. Obviously, Ugh. Diane was very fucking fertile. Which, good for her, but god dang, girl. Yeah. God dang. Like, you, you haven't been set up in life for success, and then having three kids alone, like... Yeah. One kid is, what, a quarter of a million dollars now to raise? God dang. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. So, of course, no prenatal care, and again, allegedly gave birth while unconscious. Let's discuss this unconscious birth bullshit. Did she pass out from the pain? Like, I Did she have kids at home? Because, like, I'm assuming, because if Mabel is there catching, right? Uh-huh. I'm assuming... Where are the three... There are no doctors, right? They're not at a hospital, because a hospital mm-hmm. wouldn't let Mabel just... Okay, exactly right. They're at home. They're at home. So... Where are the three she, daughters? Where are the three daughters? And also, like, yeah, she probably did pass out from the pain. But from what I understand of after you have one or two, it's, like, an easier go of it. Yeah, they come faster. They come faster. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So again, the baby was allegedly born deceased and stored away. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. In early 1989, Max Shapiro, who was a junk and scrap dealer, was called about removing an abandoned car that was left behind by the previous tenants. Two days later, Max took possession of the car, but it would sit in the junkyard for a few months before he got around to going through the car to see if there was anything valuable in it before he sent it to be pressed and scrap, sold for scrap. Max popped up in the trunk of the VW and found a little blue suitcase. Using the same crowbar he used to pop the trunk, he parked, opened the suitcase, and found the remains of an infant. Max was an OG Conti and didn't touch anything else and called the popo. See, okay, this is the appropriate response. Oh shit, I'm gonna call the cops. Period. And full stop. Like, as soon as you smell, see, oh, it's a mannequin. Cops. Even if it is a goddamn mannequin, at least you've ruled it out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I see a black trash bag on the side of the road, I want to call the fucking cops. Pretty much. Like, remember that fridge that was dumped near my place that one time? I was like, oh, I'm not opening that shit. Absolutely not. You should not open it. Nope. Tracking down the owner was not difficult because there was a picture in the car with Diane's name on it, and the car was still registered in her name. Jesus Christ. When they found Diane, she was on bed rest with pregnancy number 10. Duh. What? We went from 7 to 10? How many kids does she have? She's 10? She had been able to give birth to living babies 8 and 9. And the police were like, we don't give a fuck, and told her she needed to come in for questioning. Oh, yeah. And she was like, I see your game, and went with it. So number seven was not a living birth. Number eight and nine were living births, and now we're pregnant with number ten. Okay. All right, here we are. So when asked to see, when asked about the baby in the suitcase, she pled ignorance. But the police were like, sis, no. They sent the baby for testing, and the results would reveal this was baby Matthew, who died 20 years ago. But it also revealed that baby Matthew was a girl, not a boy. Oh, wow. This was the time Diane decided to come clean and told the police she had delivered the baby she thought was a boy 17 years before. But she was still born after her dad had beaten her. Prosecution was toying with the idea of prosecuting John Molina until they found out he was dead too. They didn't think Diane had murdered or self-aborted the baby, so they chose not to charge her with a crime at this time. They also didn't know about the three other bodies that Diane was storing away. Yeah, because she's not stupid enough to be like, hey, by the way, I also have a couple of more. Exactly right. (laughs) Like... So after giving birth to her 10th child, her sixth living child in August 1989, Diane and her boyfriend slash common-law husband, Robert Sauerstein, moved west because Robert was having a hard time finding work. While living in Ogden, Utah, Diane gave birth to her 11th child, 7th living. It seemed... My body hurts. My body physically hurts. Hearing, we just talked about the Duggars. Like, how does your body? I'm like, I get it. We're built to do this, but Jesus. But at what cost? How can they afford this? Yes, I'm thinking financially. I'm thinking my your body be wrecked. Like, what? I mean, I know things snap back, but Jesus. Like, wouldn't you be tired of being pregnant after I like? Uh, I get tired of being pregnant after three and took care of that. I didn't even have a kid, and I'm tired of being pregnant. Right? I'm just tired of hearing about someone being pregnant. Good God. 
it seemed that family, well, it was a big family. They were living their best life. Yes. There is always an intel. Diane's eldest daughter, who is now 13, was allegedly the victim of statutory rape by an older man she was dating. Yeah, unfortunately, the cycle doesn't stop, does it? No. So, I have thoughts and feelings about this. I don't know how old he was. So, I'm just going to move on. Yeah. Because I'm not going to get into this. Yeah. The family packed up and moved to Pima, Arizona. We have a lot of listeners in Arizona, so somebody tell me how to pronounce this. It's P-I-M-A. I think it's Pima. Pima, Arizona? Yeah, we'll go with it. So, when the family got to Arizona, it was hard to find a place large enough for a family of nine and all of their belongings. Yeah, it's a lot. In order to try and give themselves more space, they rented two storage units to hold some of their things. That's not some of their things. That's, like, all of their fucking things. Yeah. Including the box with three of Diane's baby's remains. Okay, so here's my question. So, Mabel gave her back these remains that she then kept? So, Mabel only had the blue suitcase with Matthew that the police found. Okay. There were three other babies. Right. That were in a box. That Mabel... Mabel didn't have those. Diane had them. Okay. But Mabel was there. Mm Mm-hmm. Mabel was there. Diane put them away. Got it. The only two privy to this info was Diane and Mabel. Her husband or... Her boyfriend, common-law husband... Right. Baby daddy... Partner. Partner. Didn't know. Didn't know Which, about... Which, of I mean, again, I, of course I mean, not. Why would you tell... How do you even say that? Oh, by the way. Uh, yeah, I mean... My I just, mom's crazy, and we have three infant remains in this box. Please don't touch it, or whatever. I don't know. I mean, was it marked fragile? Fragile? <sighs> don't touch? So, like, I don't know. I don't know. So, shockingly, as soon as the fam got settled in Pima, Diane was knocked up again a couple of months later. But she had a miscarriage. Thank God for small favors. I think maybe her body's like, hey. Stop. We're at our limit. Let's chill out. Let's cool it. Yeah. So every once in a while, James O'Dell would pop back into the family's lives. The original baby daddy. Mm Mm-hmm. Claiming that the kids had accused their stepfather of abuse. With these new allegations, it... Added legal troubles onto legal troubles and legal bills onto the household bills that they were struggling to keep paid. But the one bill that was paid every month on time without fail was the fucking storage units. Oh yeah, absolutely. Robert was like, "I'm not going to jail of these fucking kids claiming I did something I didn't do." Absolutely. So they moved to Texas. And so they were running from these allegations. So he didn't go to jail. Things in Texas were about the same. No work, not enough money for bills, but the storage unit bill continued to get paid. Mabel actually was sick and wanted to move home to New York. So once again, the family put, packed up and moved on. On their way back up to New York, their car broke down in Virginia. And the family had to live in a church-managed homeless shelter. Diane's eldest daughter was now 15, and she started a relationship with a 21-year-old man mm. while they were at the shelter. Do not like. The shelter staff told Diane she needed to get the situation under control. 
Yeah. Or the family would have to leave. Yeah. Diane set her daughter down and told her she needed to stop seeing this grown-ass man. But it wasn't just talking. The pair started screaming at each other and ended up with CBS coming in and removing Diane's daughter from her care. <sighs> Diane was also charged with assault. To say this escalated quickly is an understatement. Yeah, truly. Diane actually tried to make up with her daughter, but the teenager was like, fuck you, mom. I do what I want. Because that's what daughters are like. Yeah. So Diane gave up and the family went on their way to New York without resolving things with her daughter or her criminal charges. I mean, you know, she tried to do the right thing as a mom. It definitely backfired. But she also... She also escalated it as well in, to fisticuffs, which is not good. No, you don't hit your children. No, no, no. No, no and you don't run away from... Criminal charges? Yeah. Yeah, no, you don't do that. But the, the sentiment of, you don't need to be dating this grown-ass man, I 100% agree with. She should have packed up the family and moved on at that point. It, not screamed, yelled, and assaulted her daughter. Right. But again, look at her... <laughs> look at how she was raised. I know. Look at the role model she had. She didn't. I, I know. This she actually is doing, quote unquote, the best she could. I know. I know. So Mabel died in 1995. Oh, thank. Tender mercies. So this woman has been like leeching off her daughter this yes. entire time. Yes. Following she her has around. been living with Mabel and her boyfriends, baby daddies, common law husbands, significant others, Ugh. partners, blah, 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 blah. All along the way. What a horrible person. And she, Diane's probably been paying for her addictions all along of the way as well. Of course she has. A fucking course. So I'm surprised she hung on till 1995. So June 1998, Diane's second daughter gave birth to a healthy baby boy. And a little more than a year later, Diane gave birth to a baby boy, now her 12th child, 8th living, if you're still keeping score. Yeah, I'm losing count here. Don't worry, I didn't. Okay, <laughs> thank you. It's like trying to keep track of a dugger. Seriously. Arizona law enforcement found Diane in Rome, Pennsylvania. Diane tried to tell them that the babies were stillborn, but her story kept changing, and the police soon became suspicious of her. Okay, so now this is where it's like, okay, sis. This is where we picked up when our friend at the beginning bought the storage unit. Yeah, because now your mom is not in the mix, and now babies are stillborn. Now, wait, hold up. Her daughter's was stillborn as well? No, her daughter was healthy. Okay. And her new 12th child, eighth living, was healthy. Okay. And now Arizona law enforcement found her in Rome, Pennsylvania. Got it. And when they found her, she tried to tell them that the babies were stillborn, but her story kept changing and the police became suspicious of her. In one of those stories, Diane said she heard the babies cry or gasp. Fun fact, stillborn babies don't do those things. No, they don't. The New York State Police arrested Diane May 20th, 2003. Diane was charged with six counts of second-degree murder, one count for each baby for intentionally causing the death of a person and depraved indifference of human life, and for recklessly causing the death of the babies. Her trial began December of 2003. Diane's defense stuck with the stillbirth story since there was no evidence otherwise, and for sympathy, they made sure the jury knew about her physical and sexual abuse. 
Diane did not take the stand in her own defense, but cried when the show pictures of the baby's remains. The jury did not convict her first degree. They got her on second degree murder of all three infants. Diane was sentenced to a total of 75 years to life for depraved and indifferent murder. Diane is incarcerated at Bedford Hills Correctional Facility for Women in Bedford, New York, with the earliest parole date of May 2028 at 75 years old. Damn. Diane has maintained her innocence and at her sentence he said, and I quote, For what I hope is the last time in my life I will say I did not kill my children. Years later, after the babies were discovered, Diane claims she kept them as a way to keep her mom in line, saying if Mabel tried to take her living children away, she could use the bodies as evidence. Oh. Okay. So, who killed the babies? Did Mabel kill the babies? Or were they really stillborn? Oh. Or did Diane kill the babies? I am going to go with Mabel. I really am. I, I, this sounds, maybe I'm just like reading the situation wrong, probably. But I feel like the only babies that died were the ones that didn't have a man involved at the time. And that Mabel, that she had births at home with her mother. I think they were all born at home. All of them? I don't know. It doesn't say where the live babies were born. Oh, that's true. But I feel like the ones where Mabel's catching, like I said, are the ones where she... Where the, the babies don't survive, right? So and I... Mabel was dead by the time they caught up with her. Yes, but Mabel was alive when those babies happened. Yes, I'm just saying, so they had to hold somebody responsible. Of course. I don't, I don't think she did it. I really don't. I just do not. I think... I think her story holds true. I think the whole unconscious birth thing is mm-hmm. a little questionable to me so i think she may have been involved you think so mm-hmm. but then why murder those kids and not all of them because there was a man involved in her life to help her take care of the other ones see this is why abortion needs to be legal right fucking here right fucking here you know what i'm saying like there is a difference <laughs> so i don't know ah that's a tough one yeah, maybe I could see that too, where she's like, okay, I can't take care of this kid and mom takes care of it for her, quote unquote, takes care of it. Ugh. I don't know. Not good. I wasn't there for all 12. I feel her fucking births. Eight kids. She's got eight living. Eight living. Oh, they have to be just fucked up. Poor kids. All the shit that they saw, all the, the you know, moving around. It's oh, not good yeah. for kids. Across I mean, the like, country, New York, Florida, Utah. Arizona, Texas, Virginia, New York. Jesus. I mean, honestly, Pennsylvania. They're they're the victims. Other victims here too, like yes. them. So I hope that we both hope that they're doing well. <laughs> if you're hearing us, if you're actually listening to us, we hear you, and we really hope that you're living a, a, a regular life. Nobody knows who the fuck you are, and you I can hope just you got some on. therapy. Uh, exactly right, because God, that is just yes. Find a therapist. Yeah. Yes. Please. <laughs> There's lots of websites now that offer therapy, thank God. So, yeah. Man. Make me feel better. Okay. I'll feed you. Yes. So today, I'm going to be talking about Jaquiel Jackson. Who? He is our treasure child this week, and he started his charity work at an early age. Growing up in Chicago, his auntie took him to help distribute food at a local homeless shelter at age eight. 
And it was then that he realized he wanted to do more than just help with food. So he founded Project I Am at age eight, a nonprofit that distributes blessing bags to homeless people full of wipes, socks, deodorant, hand sanitizer, granola bars, toothbrushes, toothpaste, bottled water, and more, depending on the user. And he decided to do that at age eight. This is actually very similar to the, the girl that you were talking uh-huh. about. That he did it, and he called them blessing bags, which I think is such a cute name. His nonprofit has raised over $400,000 for homeless people and is organized handing out these bags to people in Chicago, Los Angeles, Oklahoma, Washington, D.C., Virginia, Atlanta, Georgia, Idaho, and more. And it's even gone international. Wow. Handing out bags in Ghana, Swaziland, Mabamne, and supporting orphans there and hurricane survivors in Florida, Houston, and Puerto Rico. And there are literally so many other places where these bags have been distributed and his project I am nonprofit has helped people. It's, it's incredible. So this kid founded this shit at age eight. Okay. And what did you yeah. do today? I'm here. I cleaned up cat piss. I, I'm sweating into this pillow. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. In 2016, he was named Youth Ambassador for the Heartland Alliance, an anti-poverty organization. In 2017, he became a member of the WE International Youth Council. He was named Vice Chairman of Kidbox Youth Board of Directors in 2019 and Chairman of Dreams for Kids Youth Executive Board in 2020. He was also named BET's 15 Under 15 and was acknowledged as one of three influential people of 2017 by the Obama Foundation. Of course he was. He has kept up his philanthropic work and speaks to schools about being a change maker. And because of this, he then realized there was this other need for kids to have someone to look up to because, I mean, look at the world right now. He founded the, quote, Don't Wait to Be Great Social Entrepreneurship Workshop Series. Don't Wait to Be Great. I love that. Can I join it? I don't want to wait to be great. I know. I know. I want to be great right now. Hell yeah. I know. Can Can we're kids at heart? Will that count? I mean, I just did Legos. Right? Me too. Okay, I think we can be fine. So this brings community service and entrepreneurship together for kids, which I think is really fucking cool. So it's basically like, here's how you can own this, and here's how you can help people together. Jaquiel's now 15 and shows no signs of stopping. Honestly, I have his websites. I have Project I Am and Jaquiel. He has J-A-H-K-I-L.com. Straight up, that's like he has his own website. Of course, he, he does. has done so many more things than I just said. I was like, I can't even fit it all <laughs> in this one thing. And he's 15 years old. So, Jaquil's mom and dad. I know. You deserve an award. You are star moms. You are a star mom and a trophy dad. And his auntie, who was like, hey, hon, you want to come with me to like, you know, go feed some homeless people? And that just like sparked something in him it was just like yeah your auntie is an alpha auntie yes love that oh fun but yeah no when I was reading that I was like holy crap this kid like was driven and focused just from a young age like I'm gonna help and here's how I'm gonna help and we're gonna do this and it's like gosh like unbelievable so again at any age we can be great so don't stop never stopping (laughs) being great (laughs) let's go be great yeah actually yeah actually yeah 
That's our message for this week. Go be great. Go be great. Love it. Go be great. We'll see you next Tuesday and tell us what you did to be great. Yeah. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.